Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. With me to the book of Philemon, the epistle to Philemon. I want to minister for a few minutes from this passage of Scripture. I was looking at an advertising around uh, uh, Christmas time in the newspaper, and uh, in this advertising, it uh, advertised a gift for the person who has everything. And what it actually was was a company that will come into your garage or into your closet and they will build shelves and uh, little closets and, and places to put things so that you can organize uh, uh, your garage. And so uh, as I saw that, I was, uh, I was very interested in that. My wife and I built a house uh, in 2001. And when we first moved into it, uh, everything was tidy. Everything was neat. We had everything on the shelves and so on. But through the period of time, my garage looks like a salvage dump. Uh, there's uh, blowers, there's extension cords, there's uh, pieces of uh, uh, metal that I uh, have picked up somewhere, thought I might need that somewhere. There's, uh, uh, there's uh, tire pumps, there's uh, battery chargers, there's everything you can imagine. And, of course, when you go to pick one thing up, why well, uh, it's on the bottom, and so you pick that up, and everything else begins to unravel. And so my, my garage looks like a salvage dump. And I thought, that'd be, a, that'd be a nice thing to have. Somebody come in, build some little pigeonholes where I could put this stuff and stuff this stuff all away, and organize that. And so that's the idea, so that you can have a garage that's organized, or you could do the same thing for a closet. And uh, I began to ponder that as I thought about that. I said, that's exactly like life is. When you start out, life is pretty simple. Can you say amen? Fairly simple. Uh, things are fairly well organized. And, uh, but as life is lived, and this is true in the Christian life, as life is lived, then things are not so organized anymore. Uh, there begins to be... Uh, unresolved conflicts that begin to lay hold of your personality and your mind. There's uh, suffered wrongs. There's injustices. There are conflicting demands that begin to pile up. And uh, as you live life, then the problem is you can't find a place where all this stuff fits. It ought to be. How many of you know that in our mind, we, it'd be wonderful if we could fit everything in a pigeonhole in life. We never have any unresolved conflicts. We never have any un, uh, unanswered questions. We could develop a theological organization and everything could be put into a neat little place and uh, never anything out of place. We could uh, have an answer to all our problems. But you see, in the, in, in the process of time, uh, our life gets cluttered up with these kinds of things. Uh, answers to questions 
they were asking don't come. Unresolved conflicts never get resolved. Injustices never get dealt with. And uh, as we begin to ponder that in the, uh, in the process of time, then uh, as the, the psalmist says, our head begins to hurt. Now in this story of Philemon, we have a wonderful story. It's a story of uh, Onesimus. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He runs away from his master Philemon, who lives in Colossia over uh, uh, nearby uh, in uh, what's Turkey today in uh, Laodicea, short distance from there. He runs to Rome. As he runs to Rome from his, uh, run away from his master Philemon, he comes in contact with the gospel and the apostle Paul who's in prison there. He comes under his ministry and as he comes under his ministry, then he wants to do right. And Paul sends him back to his master Philemon with a note. And that is the epistle that we hold in our hands, the letter to Philemon. And as we see that, there's a tremendous truth uh, that we want to understand that I want to deal with in Philemon, beginning with verse 8, if you'll follow there with me for a moment. Paul writes to Philemon these words, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to commend you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a, uh, a while for this purpose, uh, that you might receive him more. Look at that verse. For perhaps uh, he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave. But more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as your partner, receive him as you would me. But if he's wronged you or owes you anything, put that to my account. I want to talk to you about organizing your life for a moment. In this passage of scripture is a phenomenal presentation of love and grace and faith. And this uh, helps me this evening to point out the pragmatism of man. Pragmatism is uh, doing whatever works. You and I as human beings are fallen creatures. Uh, and because of the fall, we live uh, in a self-serving dimension. Most of the time, we're concerned about the issues that serve our own self-interest uh, and our own ego. This involves our family. This involves uh, 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 our employment. This involves our school. In other words, this business of pragmatism or doing whatever works to serve us, this flavors everything that we're involved in in life. And to understand this passage of scripture personally, we're going to have to look at that because 
in life we will suffer injustice. In life we're going to have relational conflicts and the difficulty in life, we can't pigeonhole everything, put it in a little slot and say, okay, that belongs there. This belongs here. No, this belongs over here. And the difficulty is we can't find a place for everything to fit. And this is especially true as believers uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be a wonderful thing if when we got saved, uh, from that time forward, everything that comes down the pathway, every injustice, every suffered wrong, every violation, we could pick it up, we could put it in this pigeonhole, say, this fits right there. But the difficulty is brought out by this illustration that we have before. Here's Onesimus. He is a runaway slave. He has run away. He probably was a trusted household servant. Uh, and he probably, as he went, he stole money as he went. Uh, and he comes in contact with the Apostle Paul. Uh, and this causes to fasten on this business of, uh, 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 of uh, pragmatism, doing whatever works. Uh, and here he is. You see, the difficulty with you and I is we are ruled by pragmatism and whatever works for me. That's why the apostle wrote in Romans 3 verse 11. Listen to this. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they've practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they've not known. There's no fear of God before their eye. What a horrible uh, uh, description of the human race. So you might as well say amen or oh me, whichever one fits this evening. Pragmatism is how humanity lives. And so as we ponder that for a moment in the understanding of this passage of scripture, you have to weave this into the fabric of life. You bring this into politics. You bring this into national flavor and uh, cultural norms. You bring this into an understanding of the reality of the world, the threats of war, what's going on in the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, and, uh, and Pakistan. Then you begin to weave this into the issues that you're involved in. You bring it down to your personal arena tonight. And you have to bring this into your future. How's this going to affect your future? Because what I've just described is the human race manifested through humanity. And that's going to affect you. You're not going to get away from that. This is going to bring the understanding that you're going to be affected by other people. What they do and how they live how they live it's going to affect your security in life it's going to affect your physical health it's going to affect your income it's going to affect you when you travel it's going to affect the relationship that you have with your neighbors. Uh, it's going to affect this evening uh, uh, the education of your children. It's going to affect your children, how they relate to life. It's going to affect your uh, in, uh, retirement income that you're hoping to have someday. Uh, and this is why the psalmist says in Psalm seventy-three, sixteen, when I thought how to understand this, uh, it was too painful for me. He said, it gives me a headache. 
to even contemplate uh, all of this and bring it together in a cohesive element and being able to pigeonhole this uh, so that I can understand that. So the pragmatism of other people is going to affect you. You cannot, uh, you cannot escape this. Uh, it's going to bring you into a conflict in life. Uh, and uh, you cannot put the, all the events of life in a neat little pigeonhole uh, and leave it there. Uh, and then you can add the spiritual dimension that you have to uh, is we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, uh, but against uh, spirits uh, in high places and wickedness uh, And as Paul spells that out in Ephesians 6, there are demonic spiritual forces then that are orchestrating this in life. uh, And you're going to be, you're going to have to be sure you're not going to be able to pigeonhole everything in life. Now, this brings us now to the sovereignty uh, of God. We're uh, we're, uh, studying uh, the potter's house in you. And as we're studying that in the adult Bible class on Sunday morning, if you're missing out on that, you need to come because it's very, very enlightening. And so the sovereignty of God means that God is God. If he's not God, then we're wasting our time in here. You might as well have one religion or another. But God is sovereign. And we need to come to grips with that and properly understand that. That does not mean that life is locked in and whatever will be, will be. And many people, they approach that. This is fate. There's no way that I can escape this. Uh, There's a predetermined outcome. This is the way it's going to be. No matter what decisions I make, that's how it's going to come out. And then they have these big 14-cylinder words, predestination and foreordination in the Scripture, and come to the decision. God's already decided what he's going to do. And so what can we do about the whole scene? Well, that's improper understanding of the sovereignty of God. Here is a mind-numbing revelation. I said, look at verse 15 with me for a moment, and it's found in this word perhaps. This word perhaps in verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Now, As we come to grips with that tonight, uh, if you're going to try to pigeonhole that and shelve that uh, and put it in a neat place, I want to tell you, this is a brain strainer, that word, uh, perhaps uh, he departed for a season uh, that you might receive him forever, because this is not going to fit nicely in your theology. So let's translate that for a moment. Here's Onesimus. He has ripped off his master. He has fled because he's a slave. He flees to Rome. He comes in contact with the gospel of Christ. He yields his life. Paul is sending him back now because Paul uh, personally knows Onesimus because he's come through there ministering and Onesimus has gotten saved in his ministry and he knows him personally and he sends him back with a note. And this is the letter of Philemon. And let's translate that for a moment. Perhaps Onesimus ran away and stole the money so he could be saved and serve God. Or in other words, let's do evil that good may come. Uh, Your brains are turning now all of a sudden. How's this going to fit in? And so uh, here the sovereignty of God is raging or let us do evil so good may come. 
And the dilemma that we have is this doesn't fit neatly into our theological pigeonholes. Uh, and we have another that we can add to this is Genesis 20, verse 6. Uh, if you're a Bible student, why well, wrestle with this for a few months? And God said to Abimelech, now Abimelech is a king down in Gerar. Abraham has, uh, has had a little relapse in his faith. He's fled down there in a time of hardship. And Abimelech sees Sarah. He takes her into his harem. And now we've got a problem. And in Genesis 26, God appears to, to uh, Abimelech and uh, says, you touch her, I'm going to kill you. And he said, I, I, hey, I haven't done a thing. And then we find these strange words. You can read the story yourself. God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Okay, here we are. We've got the wrestling of God. Perhaps uh, he ran away so that you could receive him forever. Perhaps he stole this money and violated this trust. And so we're here, and now we're dealing with this business of the sovereignty of God. If you are going to interpret the sovereignty of God, say, uh, for instance, you're making a decision. And uh, that decision, you say, well, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I prayed to God, and I said to God, God, if you don't want me to do this, I want you to stop me. Uh, you're uh, pushing the boundaries a bit, okay? Because God will allow you to destroy your life with your own decision. Or uh, perhaps you, uh, you uh, say, well, uh, uh, I, uh, God won't let me sin. So I'm going to read Genesis 26 and say, oh, I see. Well, God won't let me do that then. He will keep me uh, from sinning. Or if you're going to make a decision about uh, direction, you're going to miss God a million miles. Uh, so let's come to grips with this little word, uh, perhaps, tonight. One thing you need to understand in life is that injustices are not always corrected in life. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if injustice was good? If the minute that somebody made injustice, God would go, and a laser phaser would come, and that'd be all of it. But you see, that's the way life is, that in how God operates. You look at this for a moment and you begin to wrestle with that statement is there. You have an interesting, I just read this last week in my Bible reading. I'm, I'm reading about uh, Absalom as he rebels against David and David's fleeing for his life. And as he comes uh, to the river, uh, Ziba, who is the steward over Mephibosheth's household, who is the son of Saul that, uh, Paul, uh, or that David has restored to him, uh, Ziba meets him and David says, Where, where's Mephibosheth? Uh, and Ziba lies. He says, uh, well, he, he's glad now that you, uh, you're on the run and he's going to make his peace. And so he lied to him. David goes his way. And when he comes back, uh, Mephibosheth meets him at the river. And, uh, and uh, he says, Mephibosheth, why didn't you come when I was uh, fleeing? And he said, well, because uh, Ziba deceived me. And he said, I'm crippled in my body, and I could not do it. But I haven't cut my hair, shaved my, uh, 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 shaved my uh, 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 beard, uh, cut my fingernails or toenails, or washed my clothes since you've been gone. I've been mourning for a year uh, since you've been back. And, and so here we have now uh, this clear-cut uh, uh, lie and deceit. Uh, and, uh, 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 and Mephibosheth comes in, and David says to them, okay, 
before he'd given all of the Mephibosheth's uh, 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 estate to Ziba. Now he comes and finds out Ziba has lied. And so he has a decision and he makes this decision. He says, okay, uh, you're going to have to give half back to Mephibosheth. And here's this man who's a liar and he let him give it. Now put that into your theology for a minute. That'll strain your brain. That's not right, is it? Somebody say yes. That's not right. And yet here we have it. And now you're saying, well, why? Here's an injustice. Here's a man that lied. Here's something that should not, uh, should not come to pass. And yet the Bible doesn't go on and say, turn to chapter 38 and I'll give the explanation all that. There is no explanation. You're going to have to fit that into your pigeonhole uh, of theology. It doesn't fit there. It doesn't fit here. It doesn't fit there. It doesn't fit there. I don't know where it fits. So being a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to have all the questions of life resolved. In the book of John, chapter 6, verse 44, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. John 3, 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. So here we have uh, the sovereignty of God and the choice of man. I had a, I had a man came come into church one time. I was pastoring, and he's... Uh, about three sheets in the wind. You know what three sheets in the wind is? It's pie-eyed drunk. So he says, Pastor, he's on a weeping jag. How many of you know what a crying jag is? What kind of congregation am I preaching to tonight? (laughs) None of you have ever been sinners? Okay, he's on a crying jag. And so he says, Preacher, listen, he says, a friend of mine, this friend of mine, uh, he's going along. He was just like me. And he said, all of a sudden, God just reached out and grabbed him. And uh, he's t- he doesn't drink anymore. He doesn't, and he says, preacher, why doesn't God grab me? And I thought to myself, if uh, maybe if you'd sober up a little, he could maybe have access. I don't know, but I didn't tell him that. Why didn't God grab me? So here we have this man. He's got, a, he's got this in his mind, that this is what God does. And... These scriptures I've just read would seem to fit in with that, that when God gets ready to grab you, he doesn't reach down and he's going to grab you. But you see, that doesn't fit in with the record of the Bible, does it? The Bible says uh, that those who will make a decision, personal decision, and they'll make that personal decision, they release uh, a dynamic that God can then use uh, And then he does what he needs to do in their life. Uh, God, yes, is sovereign. But on the other hand, man has a will, as I've said to you before. uh, And so we have the sovereignty of God and human choice in these seemingly contradicting elements. uh, But in it all, we know that behind the scenes, God is powerfully working. uh, And uh, he sees. uh, And uh, though we can't understand uh, We know that is at work. This brings me now to another point I want to make, and that's the challenge that we have to trust God. Now, this is beyond our understanding. See, the Bible is a challenge not to understand, but to believe. There's a vast difference between understanding and believing. And the Bible nowhere says to us uh, 
I want you to understand. When you can understand, everything's going to fit into play. It'll be put in a pigeonhole. Life will be smooth, but God challenged it over and over again. I want you to believe what you cannot understand. And Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So here we have the clear direction of the scripture, and that scripture would never be written unless uh, there is a danger that we will lead to our own understanding, and we want everything in a pigeonhole uh, before we're going to say, God, you're God, and I'm going to believe. Paul gives us a perspective. Again, if you haven't been in the, the Bible class on Sunday morning, there's a valuable uh, insight been uh, going out there as I'm teaching on uh, on the potter's house in you. And uh, this has the imagery of a potter, uh, Jeremiah 18, rise, go down to the potter's house, there I'm going to teach you. And Paul picks this up in Romans 9 and puts this out, it fits in with our text tonight, uh, Romans 9, 20 and 21. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for, for dishonor? Okay, so here we are in life. Here we are in life. The, uh, we get the image of the potter's house. God is sovereign. That means he's making something out of our life. He's shaping us. He's forming the events of our life that will make us who we are and make us to do what he wants us to do. And Paul draws out this absurd, this absurd image. This would be absurd for the clay to look back up at the potter and say, what are you doing? Hey, 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 I don't like it. What are you doing? Because God is God and we are the clay. So having said that then, let's then begin to ponder this event that we have before us because here we have Paul Paul is sending Onesimus back, and as he's sending him back, he's sending a little letter with him and saying, Onesimus, uh, uh, incidentally, I have a kingdom priority. Onesimus is a very valuable servant to me, uh, and I'm asking you to send him back to me. But I'm not going to do this without your permission. I'm asking you to send him back to me that he can serve uh, because you're not here to serve uh, and uh, he said, I want your property. Now, Onesimus was a slave. In Bible days, uh, human beings were bought and sold. He was a valuable piece of property. Yeah? And the Apostle Paul is saying, I want your property, Onesimus. And he puts in this beautiful little phrase there. I said, if, he, if he's stolen money, you put that on my account and, uh, and, uh, and put it there. Because uh, incidentally, Onesimus, uh, you owe me your own soul. <laughs> a little pressure there. He sent him back. He's not demanding. He said, I'm not, I'm, tell, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to, to, to uh, demand, but I need him. And I'm asking you to send him back. And Philemon had paid good money for Onesimus. And he was a valuable household servant. He's going to lose his property. He's going to lose the services that he could do and Paul is writing him, asking him to do that. Uh, and this then was an issue of faith. Tonight, as you and I are gathered in this building, the issue of life is faith. It isn't going to church. We ought to go to church. 
you ought to go more than you probably do. But the issue tonight is faith. Believing God when you can't fit the pieces of life in a neat pigeonhole and saying, I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. I know this is, these things are happening. I'm suffering because of the results of other people who have acted. Or perhaps you've suffered injustice. Or perhaps you've been ripped off and some money stolen from you. Or perhaps demands are being put upon you. But regardless of what it is, that's not the issue tonight. The issue in life is faith. To believe God in the spite, in spite of all that's coming down. And listen to Philemon 13. Whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Listen to Adam Clark as he translates this 15th verse. Adam Clark said, You have therefore reason to be thankful to God that he did not depart, or that he did depart rather, that he might be restored to you again infinitely better than he was when he left you. God has permitted his unfaithfulness. uh, God has permitted his unfaithfulness uh, and overruled the whole both to his advantage and to mine. Listen to Albert Barnes as he translates that. The meaning is that it was possible that this was permitted in the providence of God in order that Onesimus might be brought under the influence of the gospel and be far more serviceable to Philemon as a Christian that he would have been in in his former relation to him. What appeared to Philemon, therefore, to be a calamity and what seemed to him to be wrong on the part of Onesimus might have been permitted to occur in order that he might receive a higher benefit Such things are not uncommon in human affairs. Now, let's come to the lesson at hand. What we're dealing with in life and which you're going to have to personally come to grips with is a surrendered life to God, understanding that God is at work. You don't have all the answers to your question. I can tell you, are you going to suffer injustice in life? When you get as old as I am, you can pile them up in a pile. Are you going to have all the an, uh, answer to all the questions you have? Absolutely not. The older you get, the more the questions come. But is God still going to be God? Yes, absolutely. And the more you see him to be God, the more valuable you see that it was to surrender your life to him and say, God, you're God. You just tell me what it is you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. Listen to uh, uh, Ephesians 1.11. In him also... We've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And then uh, Ephesians, or Philippians, rather, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So now we come to the conclusion. Events in life... Uh, Many of them are divinely permitted. Some of these are just acceptable to God. Some of these are perfect in the sight of God. Listen to Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Now this leaves us then in this arena, that big word perhaps, because life is not neatly ordered. There is a power of human choice. There is a sovereignty of God. Somehow these work together to bring out a conclusion uh, that honors and glorify God uh, because God's purpose to you individually is a good purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the, the uh, plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're planned for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. In the Christian life, you always have a future. Can you say amen? I don't care what comes in life. You have a future because God is God. Listen to Romans 8, 28 as I conclude. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So here we have then this glorious uh, proclamation by the Apostle Paul. He said, I can't, uh, I can't explain all the things that's happened in life. I can't say to you, nothing bad will ever happen to you. What I can say is that God is God. And in spite of these, he will work this out and cause it to be uh, to his purpose. And it'll be good for you. God is a good God. God is a good God. Get the, get the disc in the tape room. I preach a sermon on the, uh, the good God. Genesis 45, I conclude. Here's Joseph. Joseph has been betrayed. Uh, he's the victim of prejudice. He has been falsely accused. He's been imprisoned unjustly. All of these things happened to him. And listen at the conclusion of his life uh, as he's speaking to his brother. He says in Genesis 45, verse 5, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. His brother sold him into slavery. They're, they're guilt-ridden. Uh, they're, they're terrified uh, that he's going to get revenge on them. And he said, listen, I know God. God has a greater purpose. Listen to that. And he says, uh, you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives uh, by great deliverance. There is in life an omnipotent, that's all powerful, moving of the hand of God behind the scenes uh, to bring order But that order is not always seen in this present moment or in this present life. But before it's finished, God will bring it all together for you. And you can be sure he's always at work in your life. He's moving behind the scenes in your behalf. And our call this evening is not to understand, but to believe. Can you say amen? Think with me for a moment. What do you do when bad things happen to you? Well, what you uh, have, but, I, but I, I haven't done anything. What, what do you do when bad things happen to good people? You believe. What do you do tonight uh, when uh, you cannot find an answer to the solution or a solution to, or an answer to the problem that you have, the difficulty, the circumstance you are? You believe God. That's what you do. And you say, Lord, I don't understand, but I surrender uh, And you can understand this, that God will sort it all out in the end. He will come into your life uh, and there'll be a come a time when God will sort out all the things that have happened on planet earth. But that's not necessarily today, tomorrow, or 20 years from now. Can you say amen? Organizing your life. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. No one moving around for the next several moments. 
Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.